Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Session 28, we're continuing from where we left off last year. It's session 28, and um, we're still on the broad theme of the primacy of the word of the Lord. And um, in the next few sessions, we're going to try and wrap this particular theme up. Um, The next few sessions, two or three, will be at the subject of meditation. It's a vast subject, so try and cram it into three sessions or so. And you'll see its importance um, in terms of its placement in the life of the believer as, as we go along. You can see in your notes, I've headed the first segment, Restoring the Lost Discipline of meditation. Now, as, as believers, as sons of God, we grow up in the Lord and we are taught certain things and we are taught to esteem certain things highly in the Lord. Things like prayer, things like fasting, things like the reading and the study, the hearing of God's word. Very seldom will you hear preachers and teachers say, oh, meditation also ranks in that group of what I call spiritual disciplines. Everyone say discipline. I use the word discipline consciously. We want to restore the lost discipline of meditation. For meditation requires tremendous discipline to engage in. Okay, It's a conscious exercise. While you can do it so reflexively, where it becomes so part and parcel of who you are, that you do it almost unconsciously, but you're doing it very effectively. But that kind of experience comes to the man and the woman of God who has done it so often that it's normal for them. It's like breathing to them to meditate on the word of the Lord. But to get there, and I do it almost all the time. Joshua 1.8 says we must do it day and night. So you cannot speak while it's, it's necessary to have segments where you consciously stop, pause, and reflect in your mind, think on things, that is true, just like prayer. You're called to pray without ceasing, right? And so you always, your spirit man is always praying, even while sleeping, but that does not negate the necessity to have set-aside times where you consciously pray and see God more intently. So while we meditate whether consciously or unconsciously, and we're really doing it all the time, uh, or should be doing it all the time, there are times when we have to stop, stop what we're doing in terms of the busyness of life, and discipline the mind to consciously focus upon the Word of God, the works of God, the ways of God, and the person of God. I'll come to the subject of meditation later on. For now, we're going to confine our meditative objective to the Word of the Lord. The primary object of, medica- of, of meditation. I almost said medication. It's true. Somebody sent me, I think it was Mark or someone, uh, in the WhatsApp group, said the only difference between meditation and medication is a letter. The one has a D and the other has a C. Spelled exactly the same. Meditation is the medication for the soul. Right? So the soul that is healthy is the soul that is medicated by meditation. Right? And so um, I really believe this study, you see, we've come now through 28 sessions where I've, with all my might before God, I've tried to instill within you a love for God's word. and the effects that that is going to have upon your spirit and your soul. Now, as we taper these sessions and this theme off, now it's going to bring to bear upon you a greater measure of responsibility in terms of what you have received now. Now, before we even go into the study, I now presuppose 
that you love God's word. I'm taking it for granted. I'm talking to people that are going to encourage you to love God's word. So you all love God's word. Right? Is, oh, how I love thy law more than a song? Is it a lifestyle? Is that song reflected in your daily devotion of this book of the law will not depart from my sight, from my eyes? Okay? So I'm talking to people who love God's word. Talking to people that esteem God's word highly. Talking to those that love God's word deeply. Okay? This is my presupposition, that you do love the word of the Lord. For, if you do not love God's word, you will never meditate. Do not fool yourself that you're going to excel in meditation without developing a sincere love for the word of the Lord. Even if you take that psalm, David's, or the, the writer of the psalm says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation when all of the day. So you will never resign your mind and, and discipline it to reflection, rumination, contemplation upon an object if that object is not your first love. Right? So he who meditates is on the word, I believe, evidences his love for the word. Your love for the word is evidenced by the degree to which your mind is marinated in it. Pickle your mind. Like you take mangoes and you put it in the pickle. Take your mind and pickle it in the word of the Lord. Let it be so soaked, saturated, that it, it ultimately boils down to you can never ever extract you from the word. Somebody opened your mind with some kind of machine and all they see there is principles. God's thoughts. God's ways. God's word. Amen? So I believe part of an apostolic initiative and endeavor is also because the apostles are restoring lost things to the house. So there's the realignment of activity, of behavior. One of the things that must be reinstalled back into the framework of the kingdom is the placement of meditation in the lives of sons of God. Amen? So hence the, my, my chosen topic or, or heading there. First subheading, restoring the lost art of meditation. And in the opening paragraph, when I started to write an introduction, um, I was thinking, and suddenly W.H. Davis's leisure came to my mind. It was a poem that many of you probably will remember. We were required to learn it in primary school. Hey, Georgia, do you know this poem? Hey. Oh, how has education changed? These young people don't know the poems we knew. <laughs> Let me quote some of the stanzas to you. I remember, I remember uh, Miss, Miss Judy Fayers. She's still a teacher at Mirbank Primary, even up to today. She's teaching there. I remember in Standard 3, standing before a class and standing in uh, leisure, W.H. Davis. Right? And you see the opening line there. You must Google it to see the full poem. It's got about five stanzas. And we have to learn the whole thing. What is this life? The poem opens. What is this life? If full of care. We have no time to stand and stay. No time to stand beneath the boughs and stay as long as sheep or cows. No time. You won't say no time. Poet says, no time to see in woods we pass where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. And there are two more stanzas which I can't recollect. I, I remember a few lines. Um, and he closes the poem by saying, it's a poor life, this, if full of care, for we have no time to stand and stay. The poem simply depicts the pace, the frenetic pace of, of modern Western civilization. You get so busy, the poet says, you've got no time to stop and even stay and do nothing. You will always want, you have to be seen to be busy and works-orientated, and performance-driven. And he says that is the pulse of human life presently. And we don't even have time to see, he says, in woods we pass, even to look at a squirrel and how it hides its nuts in grass. In other words, if you don't take the time to stop, the poet is in essence saying, you're going to miss out on the beauty of life that is before you, but you've got no time to observe it. 
simply because of you are too busy. Similarly, I would say, what is this life, kingdom life, life in God, if full of busyness and care, for we have no time to meditate? You say, now Randolph, you're placing another burden. And please just bear with me because by the second or third session, we'll do about three on meditation. By the, by, as, by the time we wrap this issue up, you will see how crucially it, important it is. Now, when you fail to esteem the value of an exercise, you will not give attention to it. Right? You will dismiss it as optional. Not so? Um, I can do without it. I can opt out. But when you see the value of a thing, right, um, you will prioritize its devotion. This is at the bottom of the third paragraph, right at the bottom, on page one, third paragraph. J.I. Packer was one of my favorite writers while I was studying at university. He's an evangelical theologian. I remember reading his book, Knowing God, in my second year at university. It was a thick book like that, J.A. Packer. It was called Knowing God. And he says this, listen carefully, sustained imaginative reflection is, if I am not mistaken, so rare today that few of us understand its power to motivate and we are not ourselves motivated by it. When you don't understand its power, he says, to motivate, you will not be motivated by it. For you don't understand what power is in it to motivate and to drive. Right? So when you fail to, under, to understand the value of a spiritual discipline, you will not give yourself to it, for you fail to see the value in it. Okay? So I want to encourage you to get off the treadmill of life, which is set, its pace usually is set by factors extraneous to you. Right? And you say, ah, every day it's a pace, a schedule. And we go, some of you know what I'm talking about in the gym, and you're right. And you, the controls are out of your command. You can't set the inclination. You can't set the speed of that thing. Factors beyond you, extraneous to you, are driving your daily function. Right? And I want to encourage you, the treadmill of life presently leaves no stoppage time. There's no reprieve, no relief for rest, nor for reflection, which is the topic of our, uh, of our study this evening. We have no time to reflect. There's a beautiful verse which we'll read maybe next week in Genesis concerning Isaac, where it says, And Isaac went out at eventide to sit and to meditate. Right? It's almost like he cut off from the things that pulled his attention to stop, to sit, and to basically think. What we are about is the reclamation of our minds. We are saying, God, my mind belongs to me. I'm going to remind myself. The apostolic is about restoring Adam's lost mind that he lost in the garden. When Adam sinned, it was more than disconnect with God. It was about losing the placement of the mind of the soul in terms of its capacity to, or it, it, its proper function, which should be, Submit to the mind of the Spirit, the Spirit that receives the Word. Remember we did these things? The Spirit receives the Word. The mind of the soul does what? Simply says yes to that and blindly follows the leading of God via the Word that is present in our, comes to us through our human spirits. It's about, so when Adam sinned, the mind of his soul started to function independently of being led by the mind of the Spirit. He says, no, I can do my own thing. The part, and you will see this only next week, part of the ultimate objective of meditation is to bring the mind back to its proper placement in terms of human life and function. Right? And that's, we, that's all we're about seeking to do. Um, Moses came to Pharaoh and said, let my people, God thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they might Worship me. Some versions say, let my people go that they might serve me. With equal intensity, I believe, God is saying in the present season, let my people meditate that they might obey me. The cry then was, let my people go. The cry now is, let my people think 
And listen to, please, hear me. Some of us can't even think. Now, I'm not deriding anyone. What I'm saying is, you are thinking all the time because you use your mind to function in the world. But the employment of our thinking and thought processes on the values of the kingdom and the word of life is very rare today. It's almost non-existent. You ask a person and you list a lot of spiritual disciplines, like reading your Bible, hearing the voice of your spiritual father, studying your Bible, praying, fasting, attending church, fellowshipping with other believers, breaking of bread, let's say. Okay, then next one, meditation. Thinking on what you've heard. Meditation will... I mean, people will fail on many things. And when it comes to meditation, the failure rate will be extremely high. Because it's just not something we don't even think or consider to focus upon. But I want to encourage you. You know, in, for example, the Old Testament is divided into three. There are many ways of looking at the Old Testament in terms of its composition and to divide it into segments. The traditional way is the law, the prophets, the law, the Psalms, or the law, the prophets, and the, the Psalms. Remember Luke 24? Jesus broke bread. They first spoke from the law and the prophets. Remember he shared? From the law and the prophets to the two on the road to Emmaus. And um, when, of, when he came back to the, the rest of the disciples back in Jerusalem, the Bible says, and he spake to them from the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. The law is basically the Pentateuch, the first five books. Uh, the prophets will be from Joshua, uh, including all of the, the, the Old Testament major and minor prophets. And the Psalms would be what we call poetic writings, which include the Psalms, like books like Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, maybe Lamentations. Right? So everyone say law, prophets, Psalms. Now, if you just leave the law out for one segment... Look at the, 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 the prophets and the psalm. Joshua is the first book of the prophets. The first book of the poetic writings is psalms. The first book of the prophets, Joshua, the first book of the poetic writings, the book of psalms, the first chapter in both books speak about meditation. Joshua 1, 8, Psalms 1. Right? The man who is by the tree of life, he delights, he loves the law, and in his law he doth meditate when? Day and night. And these patterns in scripture are not coincidental. Right? It's, it's like before every major Old Testament division starts, what does God call the church to do? He says you must meditate. So if Joshua is to succeed, right at the beginning of the first book, of the, of the prophetic writings in Joshua, Joshua 1, 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that I might observe to do all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Not just success. Tell your neighbor we need good success. Meditation is, is slotted in there in the wisdom of God, and this is not just an instruction to Joshua. He's at the start sort of, of a phase in God called the prophets. Right? Similarly, equally with the, with the poetic writing, Psalm, in terms of uh, the, the man that does not sit in the seat of the scornful, stand in the way of sinners. Um, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he does meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water brings forth his fruit in his season and whatsoever he does will prosper so the the entire the, the, the entire songbook psalms is a songbook psalms were not meant to be read psalms were meant to be sung it was the hymnal if you wish of that era it was a songbook and that 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 the whole uh, book starts by a call to to meditate day and day and night and please hear me, I'm serious when I say, this is like Moses coming to Egypt. And instead of saying, let my people go that they might worship me, 
I, I hear in my spirit the Lord saying to Pharaoh and Babylonian systems in the world and the church that keep the church in bondage like it was in Egypt. You are enslaved to a program of life that God wants to yank you out. And he's saying to us in this gate church, let my people meditate that they might obey me. Please hear the spirit with which I speak. It's like, it, this is a season of great deliverance. You know why? Uh, I've been so focused on the first one issue and studying it. Uh, because we're going to be ministering on this in soon, in a week or two's time. God comes to Egypt and the call to let my, what does God say? Let my firstborn go. If we're ever going to see the firstborn representation come to its fullness, it's going to be to people in whom they are so strong in the meditation, the thinking, and the reflection, the rumination upon God's word. Amen? Amen. Please. Now, uh, I need to stress this before we continue. Because I can just carry on. There are a lot of notes here and things to say. But I'm sensing this in my spirit. Um, by the spirit, I adjure you. Open your eyes to see the import of what I'm trying to impress upon you. I'm saying to you, all of you, including myself, the pace of the treadmill of your life presently needs to slow down. You need to carve out times for reflection. Times where you heard the word once, but you need to hear it again. I would say meditation is the second hearing of the word of the Lord. Remember Romans ten seventeen. What does it say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Everyone say hearing and hearing. So there's always the second hearing. Listen carefully. And I don't believe it's just semantically the way Romans 10, 17 is written. Faith comes by hearing, comma, and hearing by the word of the Lord. I don't think in terms of grammatics that hearing, it's it's qualifying what kind of hearing Hearing by the word. I don't think it's simply that. I really believe by the Spirit. It's an attempt by the Spirit to emphasize that there is a second hearing. Hmm? There is a, a second hearing. Because the first hearing will not generate faith. It's the second hearing that generates faith. The lack of faith is because we've only heard once. How many of you? have ruminated of what was said here on Sunday. Now, if we put a show up of hands, we'll, many of us will be embarrassed because we've not just taken the time to reflect. We hear a thing once, and let me just say, it, most of it is lost, if not almost completely forgotten. That is why I'm so given to recording and making notes. Why? The paper has a better memory than I have. <laughs> it never loses it. So what I do, I train myself in my own times of meditation. I love to meditate with something. I'll memorize, I'll, I'll speak about the importance of memorization later. I'll memorize as much as I can. I'll lay, install the Word of God in my mind so that I can regurgitate it and memorize it when I need to. When, if I'm still uh, into that process and I haven't committed to memory uh, particular thoughts, I will rely upon something, a written text, even the Bible itself, keep the book before my eyes, and I will read and reflect again. Amen? Read and reflect again. It is very, very important that we consciously begin to do this. You see, we'll never, ever extract all the nutrients and the benefits that come from one word that we hear from God completely until we hear it again and again and again and again, how many of you can testify? You know, one way to meditate is, to, is via the MP3s. It's a very good way of rehearsing. Because, let me just say this. Your mind, think about this fact. Your mind, for one moment, is never idle. There's not one time when you're not thinking about something. Even when you think you're not thinking about something, the fact that you are thinking about what you're not thinking of is proof that you are thinking. Huh? It's proof that you are, you are thinking, there's something's filling this. Something is filling this. In fact, people that tell me we can't meditate, I say, you're a liar. Why? Because you're always using your mind to, on something. 
If I just hold this up, guess what? This image has filled your mind right now. Hmm? Now please, cut off here. Disconnect. Don't focus on the basket for the rest of the meeting. Right? The fact that you are human and you have a mind means you're always focusing it on something. All I'm saying is, focus it on the word of the Lord. To reap maximum benefit from it. Meditation is something lost to the church that we need to urgently recover. If we are going to experience good success like Joshua 1.8, you know that some one man positioned by the trees, everything he puts his hands to do, what? Prospers? Would like 100% success. Some one portrays to us 100% success. Someone portrays to us limited or no failure rate because whatever means what? Whatever. If the Bible says, whatever this man does, succeeds. I want to get there. And uh, uh, you know my lament sometimes is, I show you what can, what is the result of something. Then I say to you, okay, for example, in the, in, in the prosperity of the soul, I said to you, you all want prosperity. All hands go up. Then I say, one of the key factors, work on peace in your relationships. And when I see there's no peace in relationships, then it tells me you really don't want the outcome. Because if you accommodate a certain thing working against where you want to go, it tells me you don't really apprise the outcome. Right? Right? So similarly with meditation, I would say to you, you want Joshua 1.8. You want Psalm 1 verse 2 and 3. You want... Uh, good success. You want to be obedient. You want whatever you do, prosper. You want your leaves always to be green. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatever this man does, prospers. I want to get to that place. I'm telling you, church, a key tonight that I'm presenting to you is simply the Lord says, only comes. This result is only going to be to those that meditate on my word. It's not going to come any other way. What does the scripture say? As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. Your easy, ask your neighbor, how is your easy? <laughs> now, as a man thinks, Proverbs 3, as a man thinks, so easy. Your, your, your life is only symptomatic of your mind. As a man thinks, so easy. And let me just say this. If you don't like your easy, you don't like what you see in your life, I'm saying to you, what you see is symptomatic. It's an indication of the state of your mind. If I want to change my easy, all I do is, I will start to work on my, especially the mind of my soul. And the Bible says, we, I have to employ the mind, and I'll share this with you later, because meditation takes place in the mind. It's a mental thing. But it's the mind of the spirit and the mind of the soul. And I'll prove this to you later. Right? It's when the mind of your soul, your natural brain, starts to follow the leading of the mind of your spirit. Okay? And I'll show you scriptures to this effect later. You know, the Hebrew, the Hebrew culture was so vastly different to modern contemporary culture. There's the rhythm of the Hebrew life was not governed by clocks and clock-ins, factory cards at workplaces and timetables and lunch breaks and uh, corporate goals, etc. Their life was basically regulated by the sun. They were an agricultural, agrarian-based people. They were people of the land, farmers. They etched out consciously times where work had to cease and they would pour their minds upon the word. The average 12-year-old Hebrew child could recite the first five books of the Bible. Now you tell me. Think of if I, this is, I was 12 years old. Are you 12 years old? <laughs> Almost 13. Okay. <laughs> Georgia is 12, 13. What is it? 
It is 13. Okay. Imagine the average Hebrew child. Georgia was an average Jewish child, Hebrew, in that culture. She could stand up and quote the whole book of Genesis, the whole book of Deuteronomy, the whole book of Leviticus. The, the Jewish mind, the Jewish, the average Jewish 12-year-old, the person, the child's mind was so marinated in Scripture. Right? To think on the word was almost reflexive. That's why I want to encourage memorization. Memorize and just lay it in store as far and as much as possible. And so I really want to encourage you, we need to get back to, listen carefully, I'm presenting to you biblical meditation. It's not just meditation. Even, East, even Eastern religions know the value of meditation. You look at Hinduism, you look at what, Shintoism, you look at, um, what are the isms in the East? Buddhism. You think about what priority those guys give. To, and you, you, look at, you look at pictures, they sit like this, quiet, you know, or like arms folded, legs crossed, trans, TM, transcendental meditation. Their focus is the emptying of the mind. Our focus is filling of the mind with the word of the Lord. Okay? Develop your contemplative life. That's my cry to you. Develop your thought life. Develop your reflection, your reflective nature. Your capacity to ruminate and to be a deep thinker. Tell you never be a deep thinker. Be a deep thinker. Right? So you hear a sermon. You take, whether it's the whole sermon or one or two principles, and for the rest of that week, guess what you are doing to your mind? You're thinking about it almost day and Night, you you baptizing your mental faculties in the truth of what you have heard, right? Unless you do this consciously, church, you're not going to come to the place of Joshua where it says that you might observe to do all that is written therein. Obedience. Everyone say obedience. The ultimate objective of meditation is to bring one to a place of obedience. We fail at obedience. For we fail at meditation. Whatever's in the mind will be in the mouth. Power of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And whatever's in your mind will be in your easy. So easy. Right? So I really want to encourage you to uh, focus on the power of meditation. Look at the bottom of page two. I've written quite elaborate notes for this segment. And I've decided because I really want to do a short little study manual eventually on just the topic of, of meditation. Some of these are extracts from my own manual notes. Um, but I'm trying to make it not too um, heavy, verbose. But I, I, I decided to do this for this and maybe the next segment. And I want to appeal to you, please read these notes more than ever. I'll say it differently. Please read session 28 more than you've read all the other sessions. Take the notes. Don't just discard it on the bedside somewhere, wherever you keep your notes. But consciously take it. Read slowly. Because I've poured my thought processes uh, into how I've written these notes for your benefit. Right? Now, at the bottom, meditate with the mind of the spirit and impact the mind of the soul. David said this in Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word heart, they can be translated spirit. Words of my mouth and the meditation that's in my spirit or my heart. In Psalm 77, verse 6, he said, I will remember my song where? In the night. And I will meditate with my heart, with my spirit. And he says, and my spirit does what? What ponders? Not my soul. What ponders my? My spirit. So firstly, I want to impress upon you. The meditative process is not a psychological one, essentially. It includes it. See, the psych is a reference to the mind of the human soul. It's more a reference to the mind of one's spirit. 
And let me just say this, whatever you employ the mind of your spirit to do, the mind of your soul will follow suit. If your spirit has developed into strength, I urge you again, rehearse all the qualities of a good spirit. Remember that checklist we gave you? How should your spirit man be now? That, that study was given about six months ago, remember? All the, the qualities of a good spirit. Right? Your spirit man must grow, it must increase. Never ever succumb to the leanness of the soul. So the spirit must lead the soul in, in its thinking. I'll simply love to say it says, I remember my song in the night. I'll discuss modes, I call it modes of meditation, maybe in the next session. How to, how to do it. One of the ways is through music. Right? One of the ways. It must be the only way. But if a song is word-based and contains principles of the word of the Lord, guess what? Every time you sing, what are you doing? You, you're focusing, as you sing a song, you're focusing on the, the words of the, of, 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 of the song. Right? And good songs, well-written, word-based, rhema songs are good um, uh, instruments with which we can muse and meditate. In this passage, the psalmist says, I remember my song in my darkest hour. Night means trouble. Night means darkness. Night is depictive of trial, midnight hour, etc. He says, I remember, that's why there are six references in the whole book of Psalms where it says, and he will give you a song in the night. David says, I remember my song in my most discouraging moments. And how often have you, have you been your experience at your darkest, deepest, discouraged moment? How often has a song lifted your spirit? It's not really the song, eh? It's about truth embedded in it that awakens you and gives you hope. Puts a spring in your, in your step. Amen? Meditate. Now, it says, my spirit ponders. Everyone say ponder. Your ponder must be your next favorite word. Ponder. Right? Ponder. Ponder, 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 ponder. Learn to ponder. David said, what does my spirit do? My spirit ponders. The word is chaps. Chaphas. Sorry. In the, in the, the Hebrew for ponders is chaphas. It signifies such an investigation. Listen carefully. As a man makes who is obliged to strip himself in order to do it. Think about this. A man wants to make some inquiry, some investigation. But in order to do that efficiently, he has to basically strip himself in order to do an effective investigation or assessment of something. So it's like the stripping away of anything that hinders. Any distraction. Any engagement. And to employ the mind undistractedly upon the subject at hand. Okay? I like this, this next part. It says, to lift up coverings. How is that? Eh? You know what? When you, meditate, when you meditate, what are you doing? Tell yourself, as I do this, Father, I'm lifting up coverings. I'm going to see things I've never seen before. As I investigate this truth in this particular verse, of scripture. I'm going to see things. God, you're going to, I'm investigating. I'm the investigator. I'm the inquirer. I'm the ponderer. Tell your neighbor you are ponderer. Not a pondo, a ponderer. <laughs> okay. You're one who investigates. And it says to lift up the coverings to search out fold by fold. I like this, eh? Fold by fold and to leave no stone unturned. Hey, how is that? You know, when I, read the, when I saw the definition of this Hebrew word, I'm saying, God, I need to upgrade my meditative processes. You know why? You know what we do? We leave a principle too quickly. We leave a subject too quickly. We delve, we think, we meditate, and there are some folds that we leave. There are some stones that are not overturned. And so we never extract the maximum revelation and benefit that is pregnant within, within the scriptures. The, in the New King James Version of the same portion of scripture at the top of page 3 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes what? 
My spirit makes diligent search. I really want to implore you, please hear my heart. Sons in the house, become a searcher. It's the glory of God to hide a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. I prophesy over you that you're going to use your mind like never before. That your mind is not going to ruminate on the wrong things. But your mind is going to be fixated upon the word of the Lord. God's going to show you things you've never ever seen before. I'm discovering just in studying firstborn the past few days, I'm seeing things I've never ever seen before. Or, and, and you know, all it's, I can put it down to is taking a verse and sometimes not even actively studying. For when you are studying, you are really meditating as well. And even beyond, away from your desk, you might be writing in a car, you're thinking, that verse says this. Listen carefully, I'll show you two, three weeks' time. Paul said this to Timothy, my son, consider what I say. Everyone say consider. Deeply revolved over and over in your mind. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Sometimes understanding only comes in the process of consider. Right? You know, you wonder, well, how does God speak to you? How do I get revelation? Or anybody here that stands to minister. Some powerful things have been released recently here in church from many uh, various platforms. How do people get that? How do they know? It's on the result of one thing, meditation. As you think about it, God, it's like lights come on. And no one, I mean... How many of you know the experience and the joy of uncovering something in the scripture that you've never seen before? Let me tell you this. There is no feeling on the planet that equates to the, to, to the sense that God by his spirit has removed or fold and caused me to see something I've never seen before. The feeling you get. You know, it's, it's more than a good feeling. It's the knowing God is with me. He's showing me things, and God is speaking to me. No feeling on the planet can compare with that thought. I've just heard God speak to me through his word, his nature uncovered. I'm seeing something. There's no, it's incompatible. Amen? Nothing literally can compare. I'm going to skip a few things. Go straight to page 5, because of time. This is more introduction. We'll probably finish this on Sunday only. But I really just want to, I don't want to, just race through stuff and then cover material in breadth, but not in depth. Right? Um, look at the meaning of meditate on page 5. Now, in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, you know, the New Testament is in Greek, the Old Testament word for meditate is haga. Everyone say it, haga. Come on, say it louder, haga. This, this must be one of your favorite Hebrew words. Right? I've subscribed to a, a site yesterday. It's called a Hebrew word a day. Every day they'll send you an email with one Hebrew word that you must learn. Right? Uh, for those of you interested, I can share the link with you. Just request it. Right? But I just did it for my own enrichment so I can learn as well. It keeps me sharp. Right? Now, say it again, Haga. So we know that Hebrew words are pregnant with so much meaning, not so? And this word means the following. To ponder. Come on, say it again. Ponder. Ponder. Tell you never, ponder is now my favorite word. <laughs> ponder. You read this in Luke where the shepherds came and says, and they all wondered at what shepherds were said, but Mary pondered these things in her heart. Kept them. Right? Now, meditate. Hagar means to ponder, to imagine. Look at the full range of meanings here. To groan, to sigh, to mutter, to speak, to mourn. To roar, to study, to talk, to utter, to growl, to utter sounds. Look at the notes. As is obvious from the Hebrew meaning of meditation above, the activity literally is audible. Now this is what I want to stress to you. Everyone say it's audible. audible. Now I do not discount the fact that one can meditate without speaking. I am bringing you back to what the word means in the original Hebrew. This is a recall back to biblical meditation. The word, if you continue reading, the word Hagar properly means to emit sound. 
to mutter or to speak in an undertone. Right? Right? To speak in an undertone. It's like you speak in soft undertones. So let me demonstrate the Hebrew way of meditating. If, for example, a Hebrew is meditating upon a verse of scripture or a principle, in, let's say the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So you're thinking about that. This will be the process. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Make it me to lie down in green pastures. The mind was heard in the, it's soft undertones, mutterings. Everyone say mutterings. Mutterings or expressions through the mouth. Right? This is my favorite form of meditation early in the morning. I normally get up early and I would quote. Um, I got several documents opened up on my computer on different subjects. So if I feel the Lord wanting me to focus upon a thing, I would call it up and I would hold it um, before me. I would pace in the office and quote, you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper. They that love thee shall prosper. You know? What you think is heard in your mouth. Now, practice this. I want to encourage you. Let the word that's in your mind be heard in your mouth. And take it in stages like, the Lord. Maybe you'll quote the verse once. The Lord is my... It's not a matter... Listen, please, it's not a matter of mechanical, repetitious, simply quoting of a verse. Not that. But your whole spirit is before the Lord as you say this. And sometimes you will stop at certain words. The Lord is. Maybe you'll pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are with me. The Lord is. Let that, just that revelation sink in. You know? Let the revelation of shepherd. He's a shepherd. He's a guide. Thank you. Quote it again. Meditate it. The Lord is. The Lord is my. Focus on the word my. Makes it personal. No, he's everybody's shepherd, but he's my shepherd. Okay. It's like, it's like you appropriate each word and you make it your own. So the original meaning of meditation was to emit sound as a reflection of the thought process. The thoughts are going and you speak what you are thinking. Right? Now, you're going to try this. It's no coincidence then why you will read verses like, for example, Joshua 1, eight. This book of the law shall not, what? Depart from your mouth, but thou shalt, agar. Thou shalt utter it in soft undertones. Joshua, and let me just say this. What's Joshua? Why must he meditate? After all, 40 years as a son to Moses. Impartation, Moses laid his hands on him. He had the spirit of wisdom for Moses, ladies, hands on him. He was a skilled general in warfare. Surely he has all the makings to be successful, but God says, no, Joshua. Don't, don't rely on the fact that you had a powerful spiritual father. Great legacy, great impartations. You're more than ready to do. God is into Joshua. You want to ensure your success, Joshua. All your training up to this point was necessary. But going forward, this book of the law will not leave your mouth. Thou shalt haga. Thou shalt mutter it. I can picture Joshua. And please, if anybody had an excuse, it would have been Joshua for being too busy. We all have an excuse. We are too busy. There's no time. Right? Maybe you're walking in the supermarket. Right? He will never leave me, no voice. And you're muttering this. Person say, what you say? No, I'm just leaving, thanks. <laughs> Make us some excuse. <laughs> leave, you never leave me. It's just, what I'm trying to, I don't want to make you crazy people now. And everyone's muttering under their voices wherever you are. Please don't be, don't be undisciplined and you're supposed to be teaching your class, Quinton at school, you're muttering. Right? The Lord is my ship. So teach us, no, the Lord is my ship. Do your work, whatever I mean, your mind you focus upon, you're called to do many things. Right? That's why I say you, there are many forms of meditation. This is one of them. The, the main way is to, that's why I say it's very good to get alone, carve out some time where you can reflect upon the word. Okay? Now, listen carefully. 
For example, you see Psalm 19 verse 14, let the words of my mouth. Why is there this mouth meditation connection in these verses? Words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Psalm 49 verse 3, my mouth will speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. There's always the mouth meditation connection in the word. Right? Whatever's in the mind must be in the the mouth. Amen. Look at the top of page 6. Top of page 6. As an example, simply to help you exercise yourself, um, everyone say discipline. discipline. We said this is restoring a lost discipline. If you were Hebrew, this is what you would be doing in that culture. You'd be finding time to think, reflect, and mutter in soft tones underneath your breath the word of the Lord. Amen. This is going to aid your memorization of the scriptures as well. Amen. For example, read, study, memorize, meditate upon the following scripture. We've had the scripture before. Isolating and reflecting upon each word, you will be amazed at how the spirit will enlighten your spirit and soul with these speaking. So just to, 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 to exercise yourself this week, focus on Deuteronomy 11, 8. Uh, Thou shalt therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today, that you might be strong, go in, and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it. We've had the scripture before. Right? So just take it again. Right? I hope you haven't forgotten the scripture. No one forgotten the scripture. Right? How many of you memorize the scripture? I have. It's in me. I've pickled myself in it. Right? When you don't know what to do, meditate. Tell your neighbor, when you don't know what to do, meditate. Now, just in closing, let's just look at this last imagery. The imagery of a cow chewing its cud is often used as a powerful illustration of, of meditation. Now, uh, okay, I won't write because of time. A cow, as, as in many other animals, they're called ruminants. A ruminant is an animal that chews, swallows, and regurgitates what is chewed to chew it again, swallow it. So this process goes on and on. The word ruminant comes from the Latin word ruminere, which means to chew again. Everyone say chew again. Come on, say it again. Chew again. Chew again. Now, the word ruminant in English means meditate. To ruminate. Everyone say ruminate. So when you ruminate, another last word is cogitate. I will encourage you, please, next week, come with some synonyms for meditation. Just fill our mind all these concepts so that we become soaked in them. Amen? Don't, I always say, don't agitate, cogitate. <laughs> right. um, ruminate. So if you say, I meditate, which means ruminate, what you're literally saying is, I chew, I swallow, I regurgitate, I bring it back up again. It sounds disgusting from a human perspective. And I chew again. I masticate, fill it with saliva, extract all the benefits, and I chew again. Right? Now, cows are ruminants. Right? And a cow has four digestive chambers in its stomach. What it does, it chews the grass, mixes it with saliva, swallows it into its first chamber. Right? After a while regurgitates, brings it back up again, right? Swallows again, it swallows back into the second chamber. That process goes on to four chambers before it's released into the rectum area where it will await to be excreted, right? Now, I'm going to play a video, um, and I got this video from um, Joe, one of Joseph Prince's DVDs. And uh, he was in Israel with a group of pastors where he saw these cows chewing and one cow basically chewing the cud. Let's listen quickly. For all the lusciousness, for all the provisions, you are so, you are so lost in God's goodness and blessings, you don't see when he comes. You don't feel it. Amen. Whereas the cursed man, he feels every bad thing and cannot even see good, even though the good comes. The good does come is love. So you can choose. Which man do you want? And the Bible tells me very clearly how to trust in the Lord. 
by meditating on His Word, day and night. Alright? If you are believing God for provisions, there are so many verses down here. Like I said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Itself is already powerful enough. And meditate. Don't say, I know that verse, I know that verse. Eat. Just because you ate chicken rice last week on Monday, doesn't mean you won't eat chicken rice again. Because what is good for Monday was good for Monday. You still need the word again. Meditate on it. Because don't assume you know the scriptures. Meditate. Can I be good amen? Guys, those moments where nothing is happening, you can just bring it up again. Like a cow chewing the cut. Let me close with this cow here. Alright, I saw this cow in Israel as God was, medit- God was showing me. Now this cow is grazing. Alright, this is our picture by the way. We came down Mount Arabel. We saw this, this cow's grazing. Okay, and God spoke to me. These are your church people. Amen. God says, this is what they do every Sunday. You give them the green grass, they eat. You give them the green grass, second service, they eat. Alright? But many, many don't meditate. Now what happened is that we, we were coming down. Me and my pastors were coming down from Mount Arbel, that very high mountain in Galilee, overlooking the Lake of Galilee. Alright, as we came down, before we came down to this portion here, we saw a cow in a cave. Now, how come the cow went up there in a cave? We don't know. But there was one solitary cow. Do we have the picture of the solitary cow? There he is. Now, this video was taken by, by Patrick. Right, Patrick? You took this video. Alright? And I told Patrick to take this video. Look at how the cow regurgitates. Look at it. Look at his face. Any resemblance with our church people is purely coincidental. Alright? Come on, take a look at the Pastor Mark. Okay. Watch, watch he it closely. Swallowed. He brings up again. He chews. Chewing, 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 chewing. He swallows again. He swallows, is it? Alright, he chew, 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 chew. He stops for a while. Alright? He regurgitates. Okay? And we counted the number of times he chewed. Alright? Start all over again. Start all over again. Okay? Alright, he's chewing, chewing, chewing. Alright? Then he stops. There, there, he swallowed. He regurgitates. Up again. Chewing again. Alright? Okay, stop. Thank you. Let me close with this. Real fast. That's a powerful illustration of meditation. A ruminant to ruminate means um, the first hearing or the first chew is not sufficient enough to extract all the nutrients in the word of the Lord that he desires to give you. But you literally, you've heard it once, you heard like a word on Sunday. You have to go and say, Lord, I want to bring it back up. You bring it back up to the forefront of your mind. You think about it and you mutter it. Hagah. Ruminate, chew, chew, swallow it. Maybe two, three days later or the next day, what are you going to do? You bring it up. This process is extremely important. It might be time-consuming, but it's certainly not time-wasting. For the benefit um, will prove to you that it's not. They say, I wrote in your notes here, I found this out purely by researching it, right at the bottom of that, at the middle of page six. Uh, oh, by the way, the picture on page six if Moira and company will remember, Quentin, that was the picture we took in Switzerland. We went up the mountain, we saw all these cows, we with bells. And this is one of the pictures I took. Cows in the distance, they are chewing. And this cow is ruminating in front of us. Right? Chewing the cud. Right? Um, and so I really want to encourage you to chew the cud. So tell you never be a chewer. Ponder, 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 ponder. Right? Be a chewer of the word. It's interesting. Look at dairy cows here. Apparently, dairy cows spend almost eight hours a day chewing their cuds. A total of almost 30,000 chews daily. Right? But when you drink that milk, you understand why the process is so important. Eh? It's so, so, so important. So I want to encourage you, I won't finish this, I'll probably just uh, refer to some aspects on, 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 on Sunday. What I want to do is just finish up with some quotes. Um, look at the, on the next page at the top. Warren Wiersbe, a well-known evangelical theologian, said, What digestion is to the body, meditation is to the soul. J.E. Yoda said, God's word is not meant to be fast food. Take time for a good, long chew. Vance Havner said, Speed reading may be a good thing, but it was never meant for the Bible. 
It takes calm, thoughtful, prayerful meditation on the word to extract its deepest nourishment. Okay, can I take five minutes quickly? Let me just leave you with this thought. Now we know what Hagar means, right? This constant regurgitation of truth to the forefront of one's mind where you mutter, think and you mutter literally, rehearse it in your mind and with your mouth consistently over and over again. If you come to the New Testament, the word is maletio. And literally, I like this word because it means to care for, to take care for, to attend to, to practice, to weigh, to ponder over something so as to able to be able to perform well. I like this meaning. Everyone say care for. Right? And the word care for illustrates to us the need to be a good steward over what you've heard. Remember in the parable, I'll talk about this next week, in the parable of the seed and the sower, right? Some seed fell up on the way, I think on, this, on the pathway. And what does, the Bible says, immediately. You want to say immediately. Immediately. Not, not, not like later, like immediately. The birds of the air come and they snatch the word. And some of us, listen carefully, we can hear a powerful word like now. And for some of us, our immediately is so fast, it's at the door. It's like as we leave, it's like every possible benefit in that word is gone. Because you've allowed the demonic powers, the birds of the air, to steal the seed of the word of God given to you. So I want to encourage you. You know what you're doing when you're meditating? You are caring for what you've got. You're taking responsibility for it. And just look at this word, how Paul used it to his son Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.15 Meditate on these things, Timothy. Give yourself entirely to them. I like this. P.T., give yourself to them. That what? Your progress can be evident to all. You can, if you're a good uh, uh, Bible scholar, you write there immediately. Joshua 1, Psalm 1. All those verses talk about if you do it, and um, you're going to have good success. You, you, whatever you do will prosper. In Paul's language, Paul, I, this is my, this is the Pauline version of Joshua 1, 8 and Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. This is how Paul phrased it. Meditate, my son Timothy. In Paul's mind, good success, your, your progress will be apparent to everybody. Whatever you do is going to prosper. And he frames it like this to Timothy. Timothy, if you meditate on these things, and notice, give yourself wholly to them, your progress is going to be so evident. It's going to be obvious to everybody around you. Right? Remember, what you do in secret will give you public success. Many of us want the progress to be apparent, to be obvious and measurable to others. But we don't want to do the private things in our private world that set us up for public success. Amen? So I want to encourage you to do the same. And uh, now I'll talk about this verse. There's so much in this verse. In fact, if I can ask you to read it on this verse, it's like every statement here is so power-packed. One short verse. To, Paul is saying a whole lot of things in this one verse. And then my favorite, absolute favorite, is Luke 2, verse 18 and 19. All those who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary did what? Mary treasured these things and did what? Pondering them in her heart. Look at the writing next. It says, the others wondered at what was heard, but Mary pondered. Are you a wanderer or you a ponderer? Don't wonder, ponder. Right? So, and it says, others reacted with wonder, amazement, marvel, astonishment. But Mary chose this and more. She elected to meditate, to ponder. Amplified says, she weighed it, I like this, and to give much thought to what was heard. Mary celebrated whilst others celebrated. To celebrate, you know, the, the cerebral, to celebrate means you play the mind on something. And Mary chose to celebrate rather than to celebrate. Have you been in a meeting where they say, sure, 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 powerful word, we were blessed. Power, yay, power, we blessed. Meet the guy two weeks, two days later. What did the preacher actually say? I don't know, but hey, what a powerful word. Right? If you can't remember, you can't think, you can't meditate, what's the point? Right? 
Celebrate the world. Be, be amazed. Wonder. But don't forget to, don't forget to ponder. And the last page, quickly. But the Bible says about Mary, what did she do? She, let me quote the verse. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured these things, pondering on them in her heart. Notice the order. You first treasure the thing, then you ponder the thing. You can't meditate on that which you don't love. Right? She kept them. She cared for. Everyone say care for. And the word treasured or kept in the Greek is sun terereo, which means to preserve, to keep, to conserve from ruin. Uh, to preserve, to keep within oneself, to keep in mind, lest it be for, lest it be forgotten. Lest it be forgotten. And let's close with a few verses of scripture. Much to say on that, but time will not permit. Again, you cannot ponder that which you don't treasure. You will never celebrate that which you don't celebrate. (laughs) Oh, how I love thy Lord. This is my favorite portion in the book of Psalms. eh? Psalm 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all of the day. When, when Herod Christofferson wrote that song, the one we sang on Sunday, Oh, how I love thy law. I actually wrote him an email. He's a writer for Integrity Music. Way back. This was in my, this song came up when I was at Tumahosti. And I wrote him and I said, this so accurately depicts my passion for the word. And I just wrote, thank you for the song. And he actually gave a response. But what a powerful song, right? Oh, how I love thy law. I want to encourage you. You can't meditate upon that which you don't love. Psalm 1 verse 2. His delight is in the law. In his law he does meditate. Look at Psalm 119 verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. The word regard in the Hebrew means I will fix my eyes upon them. Right? I will fix my eyes. Let's end with another quote from Vance Hovner. It says, he said, Devout meditation on the word is more important to the soul, health, than even prayer. That's how he he rates it, even greater than prayer. He said, it is more needful for you to hear God's words than for God to hear yours. Though the one will always lead to the other. Very powerfully and aptly put, it's more needful for you to hear God's words than for God to hear yours. Amen. The Lord bless you. Happy meditating, pondering, Please don't forget that image of the cow. Regurgitate, bring it up again. Chew the cud. Be a chewer, ponderer. Amen. The Lord bless you.